legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The best of Easter begins with a full honey baked spread. Mm. It's the thing that brings flavor to all the fun and festivities. Ooh. The bites that make all your guests grateful that Easter's here a little early this year. Enjoy the sweet and crunchy glaze of honey baked bone in half ham, mouth watering sides, and desserts. Mm. And make this year's Easter the best tasting one yet. Cheers. Every bite is a celebration with the Honey Baked Ham Company. Night Racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert podcast, home of the Big Ten champion and the Big Ten tournament champion, Purdue Boilermakers. I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. Let's go. And I'm still Ryan Bonaparte, and we're also host of the Big Ten tournament men's player of the tournament. That's right. So- I assumed. Yeah, I didn't. I, I haven't actually seen the all tournament team or any of that. Uh, I've been running around like crazy after the game, uh, checking out mm-hmm. Selection Sunday. Uh, Purdue, of course, you know, <laughs> goes to an easy victory in the Big oh, Ten that's, tournament. That's how we put it. <laughs> 60, sure. 67 to 65. Uh, what an absolute nail-biter. Purdue did everything they could to give this one away, including a turnover under the Penn State basket when they were up by three uh, to cut the score, the lead to one. And then Fletcher Lawyer with two free throws only makes one. Oh boy, nothing is ever easy with Purdue, is it, Ryan? Uh, no, and you could feel the tension in the crowd during that whole stretch. Oh my, um, just <laughs> press, 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 press. It oh, was man, it was nerve wracking. So uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But how was it being there uh, for a title game? Um, I understand you had better assigned seats today. No switching necessary. Um, how was it being in the arena? How was it being on press row? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, being in the second row next to the court is amazing. You know, obviously the sight lines are perfect. Yeah, it looks so... great. It looks great from the picture <laughs> you sent. Yep. 
So great time. Everyone behind us, you could uh, just feel the buzz. Obviously, a lot of pro Purdue fans there. I'd say probably 75, 80% Purdue. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was about 85% full in the UC, so a lot of people there. We actually had a set of both, like, Purdue and Penn State guys right behind us, so you heard both sides of the argument. Oh, the fans were behind the fans right behind you. Yeah, that's so, fun. Um, and they were the loud type of fans. <laughs> of so course, I mean, definitely listen, listen. If I get if I get the seats right there as a fan, I'm being loud because mm-hmm. I I paid through the nose for those seats, so I'm gonna enjoy them. Yeah, the amount of Penn State fans who were counting when Zach Eady was in oh the lane. Oh, God, I'm so tired of that narrative. Mm-hmm. So tired. If you actually watch Zach Eady, that dude is moving constantly. Sure, I'm sure if you watch a game, you can call three seconds on him every now and then. But that dude is hustling in and out of the lane. Three seconds doesn't mm-hmm. count when there's been a shot. You know, it's these people are just obsessed with Zach Eady. It's to a sick level. Uh, they've really got to <laughs> yeah. take a step back. Yeah, absolutely. But it was nice to see that kind of uh, polarity, and you know, have both have both uh, fan bases behind you. Yeah, it sounds. I mean, it sounds like it would have been a lot of fun. Um, especially, I mean, just the stakes were so high, but ultimately so low. Does that make sense? I mean, you want to win mm-hmm. the championship. Mm-hmm. It's something you have on your resume. It's something you'll never forget in your entire life. But ultimately. The Big Ten tournament really doesn't mean anything, so it, it's like a balance of the two, and Penn State had clearly already punched their ticket at that point, so less on the line right. for them than you would think, so um, mm-hmm. overall, just a really interesting game, but do, I mean, let's talk about the first half briefly, and then we really, I think, our, our most of it should be focused on the second half, so uh, Ryan, tell me how the game started, how did Purdue, Purdue look in half number one? Yeah, so uh, give me a second here. I have to, like, remember all the way back. It's been an eventful day. Um, But in the first half, you had Purdue get out, and um, I I like to use three words, bread and butter. Okay. They got to what they've done all season long. It was Zach Eady with a post shot or a post hook shot. It was Mason Gillis putting in the effort plays, getting def- uh, offensive rebounds and putbacks. Yeah. David Jenkins Jr. hitting shots. Um so it was like Purdue, if you wrote a preview on Purdue of what they've done all season, they did exactly that throughout the first half. And then you had Brandon Newman and Ethan Morton came in and played really well on ball defense on Penn State's guards and it was a really efficient first half. Purdue went into halftime, I believe, up eight. I think it was 35-27. Yeah. Yep. So it was uh, – you were feeling good. And um, Fletcher Lawyer hit an insane shot. Yes. Shot clock r- winding down. L- looked like he was just off balance. Didn't really have mm-hmm. time to set. And just threw it in for three. Made it. And – Sometimes you think maybe that's the kind of shot that can help a guy get his confidence back because it really does show that like his brain basically is shut off at that point and he's just like, I just have to shoot it. There's no thinking. There's no time to worry about what's going to happen. It has to happen in that moment, and he, he made it. And you mm-hmm. wonder and you hope maybe that'll kick in for him 
Um, but unfortunately, as we'll get to, just wasn't the case for him. But I think that's one reason why David Jenkins Jr. Um, shoots so well with the clock winding down, because it's just instinct. You know, you don't have time to worry about anything. You're just like, I have the ball. There's only, you know, two seconds left. I'm going to take the shot because if not, it's going to be a turnover. So you just go for it. And it's it's more like playing in the backyard versus playing with so many expectations on you. Yeah, absolutely. So in the first half, you had Zach Eady finish with 15 points and David Jenkins Jr. finished with 11. Yeah. 11 more points and David Jenkins Jr. has 2,000 for his career. Yep. Yep. So he's getting closer. If he matches this performance on uh, the next game, he's got 2,000. Yeah, and I really, I really, really hope he gets there. I mean, I'm sure that's not mm-hmm. number one kind of on his, his punch list for things to do the rest of this season. He'd obviously love right. to get to the Final Four, win a, win a national championship. You know, but just from a personal standpoint, for him it would be huge, I'm sure, to, to go in and score th- 2,000 points over his career. There are not many folks who can say that. So I really mm-hmm. hope just for his sake uh, that he does get that. What a career he's had. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, and then for Penn State, this first half, they spread the ball pretty well. Um, Cam Winter ended the first half with seven. Jalen Pickett and Miles Dredd each had six. So they had several scores. You know, no one scored more than seven. So they spread it out evenly, and, you know, some shots fell and some didn't. So um, the second half is where just things happened. Yes, a a lot of things. A lot of things happened in the second half. So overall, I mean, the first half, I was very happy with what Purdue did. Um, They weren't shooting the ball as well uh, as they did against Mm -hmm. Ohio State, but they were playing really good defense. They were very aggressive. They were up on the ball. Um, Smith was was doing full court uh, for a lot of that game, both in the first Mm -hmm. and second half, if I'm remembering correctly. And um, I really thought guys were really getting up in Penn State and causing some problems, resulting in some steals, and really disrupting the Penn State offense. I mean, if you if you can allow Penn State only to score 27 in the first half, you're going to be pretty happy with your defense. And especially, I mean, Purdue, mm-hmm. uh, Penn State started out 2-for-2 two two from the floor and then went in on a cold streak thanks to the Purdue defense, missed at least their next five, maybe more shots. Um, and it really, really gave Purdue a chance to kind of get set and get ready on offense because the defense was leading them. And that's what we love to see as Purdue. For sure. And then, um, so Purdue came into the second half, they were defending well, and eventually the lead ballooned all the way up to 17, 17 points. points. Yes. Uh, let me tell you when the lead jumped up to 17, I think there were like six and a half, seven minutes left somewhere around there. Um, and at that point I was just, my wife was cooking dinner. I was watching my son to make sure he's not causing chaos. And right. we go up by 17, and I just, like, I clap. I'm like, yes! I'm, like, not screaming constantly, but, like, you know, really psyched. I was like, all right, I think that, that shot just did it. I think we're going to win. And <laughs> my wife literally, unrelated to the basketball game, was like, hey, I've got a bottle of sparkling wine I put in the fridge. Do you want me to open it? And I was oh. like, I was like, no, no. I was like, not yet. <laughs> In fact, I know exactly when it was. It was the 704 mark. I'm looking at the play-by-play. 
It was Mason Gillis hit a three, um, and it put Purdue up 58 to 43. And at that point, I, was, right. I literally, I said to my wife, I said, I said, that is the kind of shot that you win a tournament with right there, that Mason Gillis three. And mm-hmm. it put us up by 15. I was just like dancing in the living room. I'm like, this is it. This is over. I, we have got it. 15 point up with, with seven minutes to go. I was like, this is the ball game. We are done. And then the very next possession, Edie hits a jumper. Purdue goes up by 17. You got to think that's the end of the game, right? I mean, 60 to 43 ball game, right? (laughs) Yeah. Little insider information, too. Um, Okay. Casey and I sat next to each other for this game, and Casey does his game notes by hand for the score. Yep. Casey. Didn't say it out loud, but on the Trey Kaufman run and one um, to put up Purdue up by 14 at the time, he writes in his notebook, ball game. No, he did not. He legitimately did. Oh, I'm going to have to give underlined him some crap. It, but, you know, we all thought it at that point. You know, whether or not we may not have said it verbally, we were all thinking it. And we obviously... Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you know what happened next. Ugh. It's just Purdue had a bit of a meltdown. Yeah. Uh, there's no there's way. No, to yeah, there's no good way it. to say it. There's no good way to say it. Yeah. So the 17-point lead would eventually come down and dwindle and dwindle and dwindle all the way down to one with 6.4 seconds left. Yeah. So – I mean, it was it was sixty to forty three, mm-hmm. and then Ohio State goes on an eight zero run after right. a couple free throws, sixty to fifty one. Still four minutes and twenty seven seconds left. I mean, that is an eternity for only a nine point lead. Um, yep. And then from that point on, it really, I mean, was just free throws for Purdue. Um, we per, Edie made a layup with one twenty seven left. But that mm-hmm. was it. It was nothing but free throws for the last four minutes and 27 seconds for Purdue. And even then, they were not guaranteed free throws. Um, right. we, we missed some. And mm-hmm. that, is, that is a surefire way to make a game more, uh, <laughs> more intense than it needs mm-hmm. to be because everything was going wrong for Purdue at that point. They could not hit anything. Um, I thought they were taking some bad shots. Purdue didn't need threes at this point, but we are still taking them. Um, and I just wish we would have worked it inside to Edie a lot more at that point. Yeah. I think it would have prevented the game from getting so close. And my question is this, um, I, and I, I know you were at the post game, so maybe you have more information. I haven't seen any of the press conference. I love Matt Painter. I am a Matt Painter defender. Um, I will go to bat for Matt Painter in 99 not mentioned. Okay, hold on. Hold on. I'm getting riled up. I I will go to bat for Matt Painter in 99.9% of situations. I don't know what he was doing as this lead dwindled down. Taking out Zach Eady and putting in Trey Kaufman-Wren, switching for offense, defense, like he's out there playing hockey. Um, Fletcher Lawyer being out there so much. David Jenkins Jr. on the bench. I don't understand either of those substitutions. I don't understand the subbing mm-hmm. patterns. I don't understand what he was doing. Um, to my knowledge, you know, Edie and, and Jenkins Jr. were not 
injured in any way. They were not, you know, asking to be taken out from what I have seen. So I cannot fathom leaving those two guys on the bench, given the way they were playing. And and no offense to Trey Kaufman-Wren. Trey Kaufman-Wren had a great game for him. But Trey Kaufman-Wren is not the National Player of the Year. Trey Kaufman-Wren is not the Big Ten Player of the Year. So to have him out there in crunch time made no sense to me when Zach Eady had just mm-hmm. one foul and was ready to go in. I don't I don't get it. Do you, do you have that, any idea what was going on? I actually don't because, and to your point, Trey Kaufman-Wren does not shoot 70% from the free throw line either. Mm-hmm. So Edie was out there for defense but not offense. Right. So I. Right. I'm, I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> it and it almost cost. It almost cost us the game. Yeah. So it wasn't mentioned in the presser because we were sort of going through with the selection Sunday stuff. It was we kind of pushed past the game a little bit. Um, but yeah, um, it was a little bit of a head scratcher, especially since lawyer. You sort of understand a little bit more because of the free throw shooting. Normally. Yeah, I was gonna say normally not today. No. Not today. I mean, Lawyer ended go, ended up going one of four from the free throw line, and two of them were in a row and just, well, he missed the first three, I think, and then finally yeah. hit the fourth one. Well, it might have, hold on. I know he missed a, he missed a pair uh, earlier in the game. He and then missed he went them. one for two at the very yes. end. Yeah. Um, he missed he missed a pair at 114 left when Purdue was up 66 to 60. Uh, 114 left in the game. He missed them both. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, they traded possession a couple times. And then Penn State hit a three to go down by just three, 66 to 63. And then Purdue makes a boneheaded turnover. Um, I have to admit, it was our boy, Brandon Newman, uh, tried to make a tough pass after getting an inbounds and yeah. it went right, right to Penn State. Uh, they jumped the pass. It was, I mean, it was great defense by Penn State, but Purdue should not have been in that situation. And an easy layup for Penn State to put Purdue up just one uh, with just over 10 seconds to go. And, 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 I mean, at this point, I'm sweating. I'm imagining this game is over. Everything terrible is going through my head. I'm imagining the collapse. I'm imagining the headlines. I'm imagining all the bad things people are going to say about Purdue. I mean, what were you thinking? I would have had think- to rewrite my... Yeah, yeah, rewrite I, your whole story. What were you thinking that was at that what point? I, was thinking. I mean, with at that yeah, turnover. I, yeah, at that point, I'm like, okay, I need to just delete my entire game wrap right now and sort of restart. Um, so yeah, that's that's what was going through my head. But at that point, for the next following inbounds, I was thinking that that he should have just done the same thing that they did on the final play, just throw the ball to Zach and let Zach go up and just grab it midair. Yeah, I wondered like, about that. Yeah, just do a touchdown pass. If he gets fouled, he shoots. If not, you know, it's great. So, I mean, he's got the clear advantage in height. Um, but, yeah, you're... Everyone on Media Row was in the same boat of like, oh my god, yeah. we've been writing our stuff for the, <laughs> you know, since halftime, and we have to just completely delete everything. Yeah. So. So uh, you um, know, with uh, right after that bucket, seven seconds left, Purdue mm-hmm. doesn't even get to pass the ball in. They foul. Right. They foul lawyer as they're you know Purdue is running their offense to get the ball in. Which I feel like that should be like that. That seems kind of cheap. That's exactly what I was about to say because yeah. 
you know they're doing it intentionally, and you know they're doing it to save time so that they don't even have to defend anything. So how is that not... Like, that should be in the rule book as an intentional foul, team gets a free throw, and keeps the ball. Or give them three free throws because it's almost always done behind the three-point line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a rule that needs to be looked at in the offseason because it is mm. clearly being manipulated um, because that is an intentional foul. I mean, it, it, there's no there's no two ways about it. So uh, they foul Fletcher Lawyer, and not only, you know, we know they wanted to foul, we know what they were doing. They chose Fletcher Lawyer on purpose. I mean, they chose Fletcher Lawyer because he looked bad. Um, mm-hmm. he, he has lost his shot. He cannot mm-hmm. seemingly do anything on offense right now. Um, uh, I, I don't want to be, you know dunking on Fletcher Lawyer or, or say that Fletcher Lawyer is a bad basketball player because he's not. But wow. right now, he is not playing how we need him to play, and he is not making the shots that he made earlier in the year. You know, we've seen that he can do this, but right now, I don't know if it's the freshman wall. I don't know if there's some sort of injury we don't know about, um, but, but he is not helping Purdue right now. Um, and that is why I was so frustrated to see him in at the end of the game over David Jenkins Jr. I know you can make the argument that Lawyer generally is a better free throw shooter, but he'd already missed two. He'd missed two a yeah. minute a minute ago in the game uh, for game time. So I think at that point you got to say, you know, this guy's got the yips. We got to take him out. Put in Jenkins. Put in anybody else uh, because you know they're going to foul somebody, and you need your best mm-hmm. five on that court. Um, and Lawyer goes down and makes the first one to put Purdue up two and misses the second one. And, right. I mean, it was just, I mean, <laughs> you, they get the Penn State. Flashbacks? Yeah. Penn State gets the rebound down two. They got a timeout. Purdue gets their timeout too, so we got to wait even longer. And then right. they get the ball in, and you know everyone in that arena who's a Purdue fan is thinking Penn State's going to take a three. They're going to win. And it's going to be heartbreaking. Right. Uh, we've yeah. seen it so often with Purdue. Flashbacks to the NCAA tournament um, against Virginia. But lo and behold, Purdue you know, does a good job on the inbound. They make it difficult. Zach Eady tipped the inbound pass. Um, yes, in he fact, did. 7'4", actually, is pretty tall. Yeah, <laughs> he's more than just tall, though. But here, being just tall was really all he needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tips the inbound pass. Penn State struggles to get anything and then travels yeah. with .6 seconds mm-hmm. left, and then they do just what you said. They just throw it in, have Zachy touch the ball, clock runs, game over. Purdue victory, 67-65, yeah. but whoo boy, mm-hmm. what a collapse. Yeah, yeah. And all of this as well was done without Seth Lundy. That was mm-hmm. the highest scorer for Penn State. He fouled out with, I believe, three and a half minutes left from uh, for the foul game. And just Purdue could not get it going. Some I don't even know who this guy is. Clary, Kanye Clary. Like, okay, that's your patented guy goes off against Purdue. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm reading his he had <laughs> Um Jalen Pickett was held in check in this game. He only had eleven. He shot four of thirteen. Lundy had nineteen and Cam Winter had fourteen. So, you live with that, but it felt like a March atmosphere, if if that's your silver lining, but you can only do that so many times. 
Yeah, so, I mean, survive in advance. We got all the way to the, mm-hmm. the final. We won the final. We got the trophy. So, Purdue is both the regular season champion and the tournament champion. Um, mm. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. I believe first team since 2019 to do that. Um, if yes. our, our research department, i.e. Jed, is right on that. Um, and I assume yeah, he is. Yeah, Michigan I, State. Okay, I have, no, I have no reason to doubt him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so first team to do that since 2019. Walk away with two pieces of hardware this year, but the game, uh, you know, the season isn't over. Job's not done, as they say. Right. So now um, we had selection Sunday just about 25, 30 minutes after the game ended. And, Ryan, yeah. can you tell me where Purdue wound up, what their seating is, and who they're looking at playing? Uh, we'll start with that. They're number one. Yeah, they expected. are. They are the fourth number one, so they did get the final number one spot. But they're headed to your neck of the woods. They get to go in the east region, and if they make through the first uh, weekend, they will get to play in Madison Square Garden. You're damn right they will. And Mm -hmm. let me just tell you, if Purdue gets through the first weekend, I'm going to be watching Purdue basketball play in the Sweet 16 and, God willing, the Elite Eight with a trip to the Final Four on the line in Madison Square Garden, and that is just going to be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Get to play in the Palestra and Madison Square Garden in the same season. Yeah. Just, uh... Oh. Some meccas of basketball. Yeah, it's, it's, uh... Now, you know, for me, when Selection Sunday happens, I get nervous every time. It doesn't matter if Purdue's a one seed or if they, you know, are on the bubble and barely get in. Right. It's terrifying because you know you could only have one game left. You could have... 40 minutes of basketball left in your entire season, and that's it. And Mm -hmm. it's uh, for a team that is as special as this team has done as well as this team, you know, number one ranked for longer than any Purdue team in history, Mm -hmm. unanimous number one, been in the top five for longer uh, than any Purdue team, number one seed for the first time uh, since the mid-'90s, Big Ten tournament champion, Big Ten regular season champion by three games. It could all come Should down to be one. The national player of the year. Yeah, national player of the year. It's going to come down to 40 minutes. 40 Ooh. minutes each day. And mm-hmm. Purdue plays on Friday. Purdue plays at yes. 6.50 p.m. Eastern time on TNT. In and, Columbus. Yeah, in Columbus, Ohio. And we're going to cover the game and what it means and who our opponent is. Um well, I mean, we know who we actually don't know at this point who our opponent is, nope. uh, because we play the winner of a play-in game. So yep. um, we <laughs> still got got to find that out. But uh, Ryan, who are the two options? Texas Southern. That's not right. And isn't yeah. it Southeast Missouri State? No, the that was incorrect on the uh, CBS broadcast. I believe they put the wrong highlight on there. Well, what in the world? Mm-hmm. So I believe it's Texas Southern and, oh, it's some weird name. It's like Farley Dickinson. Not... Unless, yes. Unless they changed it again. At this point, I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, It so NCAA announced, like, two different teams because they did say Southeast Missouri State, but then, um, or they put that on the graphic, but yeah. they already announced that for uh, the other playing game. Well, that's I noticed they did that with um, Howard. They mentioned Howard as uh, the number whatever seed twice, and I was like, huh, yes, you are correct. It's Texas Southern. 
or Farley Dickinson. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't even see that that announcement had been made that it was wrong. <laughs> so, you know, I'm learning things live on the podcast right now. Um, there you go. But, yeah, I mean, so at this point, we don't even know who Purdue is playing. Uh, so that game will be in the first four. And then, you know, we'll see from there. But, oh, man, it's just – it's exciting. <laughs> uh, the women made the tournament too, uh, we should mention. Uh, it was it was a struggle. We didn't know. They were on the bubble. So it was a lot of <laughs> uh, a lot of wondering if they were going to get in, especially because the women's Big Ten tournament ended a week ago. So they've just been sitting right. around waiting for a week. Um, Purdue will play in the play-in, one of the play-in games, uh, and they play St. John's. So um, yes. hopefully Purdue can get a victory there and then head into um, the rest of the tournament and have some good games right. because, you know, Katie Geralds has put this squad, I think, ahead of schedule um, by getting into the tournament this year. So it's it's good to build uh, up the program back to where we hope it can be once again. Mm-hmm. For sure. So I, both – both teams in the tournament. When's the last time that happened? It's been a while. Yeah, and so, and Purdue only is the only major conference uh, school to play both in their uh, football championship game and basketball championship game. Ooh, that's that's a stat. Ooh, that, I love it, love it. Now, this time around, however, when I go to that championship game, I was wearing a better shirt. <laughs> Five and zero in the shirt so far. Now listen, do you do your own laundry, or does someone else do your laundry? Do you take it out? What do you do with your laundry? Oh, I'm 25 years old. I do my own laundry. Okay, don't mess up this shirt. You can wash the shirt. I don't care. But (laughs) if if this if this shirt goes into the washing machine or into the dryer and comes out ruined, you're wearing it how it looks. I don't care if one of the sleeves falls off. Oh, uh, Media Row is going to love that. Just, just put my j- luck, I'll probably be on the broadcast. <laughs> just just throw a sport coat on over it or something. I don't care. Yeah, they'll probably put me right behind the announcers. So when they do their uh, – when you see the announcers talking live, I'll be right behind yeah, them. Yeah, it'll look good. Hey, guys. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, just like hold up a sign. It's a lucky shirt. Um, So uh, – Man, and you have your lucky ice cream. I am eating. I'm currently eating Jenny's ice cream. Uh, this one is cream puff flavored, and I gotta say, I've never had this one. Uh, quite good, quite good. So, Very sugary, I presume. Oh yeah, I mean, who even looks at the sugar content? Let well, me just... I mean, just like the flavor wise, probably <laughs> yes. very sweet. Yes, very sweet. Uh, quite good, quite good. I'm currently uh, at the bottom of the pint, but. You know what? There are six pints left in my freezer, and there are six games left if Purdue makes it to the game. So I'm sticking with that rotation, and uh, we're going to use all six of these uh, pints of ice cream over the next you know few weeks as Purdue waltzes their way to the NCAA tournament, through the Final Four, and to the championship game. We'll be dancing. That's right. Okay, Ryan, last words on this Big Ten tournament championship team. Um fantastic amazing great i'll see y'all in columbus there we go for ryan and myself boiler up double champions boiler up hammer down